Welcome to the Love on the Go podcast, brought to you by Carolina's Matchmaker. I'm Lori Burzak, and for over 17 years, I've been helping singles find the relationship of their dreams all over the Carolinas. Along the journey, I've met so many amazing professionals and experts from various fields, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. What's my goal? I want to help you look at love and relationships in a new way and to grow in your understanding of how love works. Let's learn together how people have overcome personal obstacles and have found love, first and foremost, with themselves. The ultimate goal is realizing that you are worthy and deserving of love. Let's get started. Well, good morning, Laura, and welcome to the Single Spotlight. Morning, Lori. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So uh, Laura is a realtor and your previous p- uh, position was te- a teacher, correct? Right. Yes. So was that middle school? Oh, no. Uh, 23 years elementary, usually kindergarten, first or second. Sweet. Okay. And for those of you that are listening and want to see what Laura looks like, um, please go to my YouTube channel. All the um, the details will be in my show notes. So Laura, let's get into it. Um, I want to hear all about you. You and I have had a previous conversation around kind of who you've been choosing to date. um, And maybe we want to tweak a little bit there for more success potentially. Um, But tell us about you. How old are you? Um, Are you divorced, kids, all that stuff? Okay. Yes. So I'm 55 years young. Yes, you are. (laughs) Stunning blonde, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Um, I am divorced um, for seven years, actually. Um, I have an amazing 14-year-old daughter um, that I'm very proud of, and she is such an independent, um, strong woman, and she wants her mom to be happy and find somebody mm-hmm. in her life, Good. which is super sweet. And, uh, and also that's important because there have been times I've talked to people whose kids do not want them to be dating. And that's really a clash. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, she, 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 she wants me to have um, companionship beyond yes. just her. Lovely. Love <laughs> yes. it. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, I'm a Philly yeah. girl. Okay. And then yeah. right after college, I moved to Beaufort, South Carolina. Nice. Um, and that's where I got my first teaching job. So I was in that area, Hilton Head, for 12 years. Okay. And is that where you met your husband, your ex-husband? Uh, yeah, I actually met him on a cruise that I went oh. on when school was out. And um, he lived outside of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So I've been dating long distance for two years, which, so I've had experience with that. Okay. He proposed and I moved up there. And then Okay. Moved- so let me ask you a question about that. Do you feel like if you had been not if, if you had been in the same town and dating sort of as a, a regular couple dating in a, sm- in a small town because uh, that's what Buford is um, that you would have seen red flags come up sooner or that you might have not chosen to marry him I, I you think you knew him well enough well we dated yet yeah, for two years and the thing about our long distance dating mm-hmm. is that we saw each other every two weeks right yeah, is it so, enough? That's my question. Yeah. Really I, get to know I felt like for two years and a lot of travel and spending a lot of summers with him because I was a school teacher. So yep. I would be with him. I, I, I did. I, I could say I did during those two years, but I definitely um, saw major red flags when I moved to Maryland. Okay. And that's when you kind of moved in with him or near him? In with him. 
Okay. And with him. So I always think it's important to live with someone before you get married. So that's, that's good. So you saw the red flags when you got, when you moved in together, yet you had already invested time and energy and you figured, let me give it a shot. Is that what you were thinking? Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's legitimate. Because, you know, prior to him, I'd really been single, you know, out of a relationship for about six years. And at that time I lived on Hilton Head, you know, which is 12 miles long and you know, six years of dating the men on Hilton Head. Right. Exactly. You know, and I met somebody worldly and uh, sure. Yeah. And how old were you at the time? I was 34 and he was 44. Okay. So I'm going to point something out to people listening that are not Gen Xers, which you and I are. At that point in time, 34 is was almost an old maid. <laughs> Am I right? Think about it. I was 26 when I got married and yeah. it was already on the cusp. 34 right. back then was older. Right. But I, I do have to disclose, I was married briefly at 24. Okay. So you had the practice marriage, the starter marriage, as we called it. Yeah, I know. And I, I, I harbor such guilt because it was like a Pittsburgh thing. Like everybody thought you needed to be married at 24 and yes. That, okay. That's, what we're, talk- that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Okay. So you weren't behind the eight ball. All right. I got it. <laughs> so you had that marriage. It didn't work out. Then you were back on the market, living in a small town. Then you meet somebody later. That makes sense because I'm telling you back when I was growing up, it was, there was a lot of pressure. And that's something I love about society today. Women in their thirties are not, they do not feel that. And they certainly don't feel it in their twenties anymore. No, not at all. And I love mm-hmm. that. Women. Yeah, for sure. Maybe in like small towns, Southern towns and whatnot, they might still feel some pressure. I, I can probably bet that, but for everyone else. Um, yes. y- you can wait until your thirties to get married. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Okay. You know, so, I had my child at 41. Like, yeah. I was going to say, you don't even have to wait until you're, you can yeah. wait until your forties. You can wait right. until your fifties. <laughs> yeah. Um, just enjoy, enjoy your life. Don't feel societal pressure to get married. It is right. literally the worst thing in the world to have an external force coming in and trying to pressure you to do anything. So please well, enjoy I know your life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. says the matchmaker. Um, okay. Cause, cause then you make bad choices and that's not to say that you made a bad choice. However, you did have some red flags when you moved in, yes. you ignored it. What was a red flag? Uh, the issue of children. You wanted, he didn't or vice versa. Well, so he had two teenage boys Okay. from his first marriage. And I had said from the start, you know, I wanted one, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, he, we couldn't come to terms on that until I threatened to end the engagement. And then okay. I, I think it, the, he just said it to um, appease me. Mm-hmm. And so I planned a an, um, destination wedding at a beautiful resort in St. Thomas. And six weeks before we were to get married, he went and got a vasectomy. Oh, no. Yes. He told you about it or he didn't tell you about it? I Afterwards. Home, I came home from teaching kindergarten and he was on the couch. Okay. And this is before? Before you you got Six married, weeks before going to St. Thomas, right. but you still went through with the wedding. Yes. Why? Um, at that point, I was just dumbfounded. Um, and you know, I reflected on the six years that I was single prior to meeting him, and mm-hmm. um, he exposed me to a lifestyle that was so enjoyable and mm-hmm. new. And, you know, I thought, oh, I'll just be an early grandma because he has kids. I thought it was something mm-hmm. that I could accept. And, you know, I had like 
30 people flying, you know, to St. Thomas for our wedding. And it's like, it's So again, societal pressure. Yes. Mm -hmm. And community pressure to follow through with something, even though your heart wasn't in it. Wow. You know, okay. Fall out of love with him. I was just disheartened. And I, you know, yes, you were deeply disappointed, but didn't you felt like you were already on a track moving forward and you didn't know how to get off. So I will say that I have worked with men before one guy in particular who got married. The woman thought she could convince him to have kids. And he was like, I was never going to have kids. He never promised it. She just figured she could convince him because if you really love me, you will have another child. That is not how it works. If a man says, I don't want to have kids, final answer, period. And when we do convince men to have kids, there (laughs) is definitely resentment involved. And that's not the way to have a marriage. No. Okay. So that sucked. Right. And what? Yes. That sucked. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then how did you, obviously you have a child. So how did that all go down? It, um, like five years into our marriage. So I was like 39 uh-huh. and I was in counseling because I just myself. Um, yeah. And I just said to him, I'm like, you denied me the one, you know, mm-hmm. thing I ultimately wanted. And mm-hmm. you travel 200 plus days a year. And I'm mm. sitting here in this house by myself. Mm. I said, I'd rather be single and adopt and mm. fulfill my dream. Mm-hmm. And so then he said, well, can I go to counseling with you? And we went a couple of times and um, I finally just said, I'm leaving. And like he does every time I said, I'm going to leave, he wants to fix it. But mm-hmm. this one, he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Get, you know, get it reversed. I said, well, we don't have time for that. <laughs> like right. I'm 49, you're 49. I said, no, I said, we need to go through in vitro fertilization because they can go rescue those swimmers. And yep. so at our age, not covered by insurance, two mm. rounds, and I have Taylor. Lovely. and. Then once Taylor came along, was he a good dad or was he always Here's was the he thing. dismissive? I, it was a, a, a very um, messy divorce, but mm-hmm. he's an excellent father and he adores his daughter. Perfect. All right. So that's the, the great news. All right. That but is. in the meantime, you got to see different sides of him, which were not great. Correct. And you were lonely yeah. in the marriage. So I guess ultimately very, very that was... So what was the final straw? Because obviously you got what you, you got what you, your heart wanted, which was a child and you already saw the writing on the wall in terms of his travel and whatnot. What ended the marriage? Um, Finally, you know, the counselor that I was seeing for two years, um, she said to me, Laura, (laughs) you've been here for two years and Mm -hmm. Um, at the time we were building an amazing custom home because anytime I threatened to leave, he does a grand gesture. Mm. He said, are you going to let this house be the next reason why you don't leave this marriage you're unhappy in? And somehow I mustered the courage, but it was a big ordeal because um, when we moved here in 2008, I didn't go back to teaching. That's when I had Taylor, when we moved And I had the kind of marriage where nothing was mutual. We did not have mutual credit cards, mutual checking accounts, mutual bank accounts. Nothing was in our name. So I was, he like paid me a salary every two weeks. Okay. So I was at the mercy of 
him financially and I didn't know how I'd be able to leave. Um, but somebody came into my life that decided that they wanted to help me. And that's when I left. Wow. It's really hard. And, you know, there's so many people I speak to smart individuals, women who don't have any idea about the finances and, you know, and then also they, you know, their husbands support them. And then they're really behind the eight ball in terms of catch up, in terms of retirement savings, all of that kind of stuff. If the marriage doesn't work out, which is why I recommend that all women work if they're in, you know, a heterosexual uh, marriage, uh, especially <laughs> because there still is this patriarchy that goes on with the men in charge of the finances. Yeah. Um, and it's really something women need to work on in a big way. So um, you finally got up the guts to leave. And then was it this whole, I mean, your ex-husband sounds kind of a little bit like a narcissist to me. Oh, he's classic. Okay. Sorry. No. Yeah. Grand gestures and then trying to control. So how did you get out from under? Because it's very hard to leave a narcissist, extremely hard, especially with a child. It kind of, so at the time we were living in a furnished rental because we had sold our home Mm -hmm. and all of our stuff was in storage. And um, a friend that stepped up and said, I'm going to help you get your rental place for you, yada, yada, yada. So while he was away on business, um, and he already had known I had, I had been consulting attorneys. Um, you know, there was, it, 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 we, um, had sat down with Taylor on, you know, and after meeting with a therapist and we got Taylor into therapy before it, because I, I just felt like her whole world was falling apart. She lost her childhood home. Mm. She's lose this home. She thinks she's moving into. So yeah. we did a lot of prep work. So he knew, he knew it was in the works. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if he was in town, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. So when he was traveling, I, you know, um, hired movers. We went to the storage units. I secured a nice townhome, da, 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 okay. moved while he was away. Okay. And then he, he kind of knew you were doing it. So it wasn't like he was shocked, yes, but, but you know, when he got back out of, t- from out of town and you know, the note was there. I mean, cause we really weren't communicating. I mean, we didn't, right. hadn't, you know, we didn't sleep in the same room for over a year. I mean, it was, you know, um, he went, you know, ballistic and like filed some kind of suit. Like I stole his child and it right. just started there. And we spent, um, over four years in court. Oh my God. Now, was he doing what other narcissists do, which is have affairs? Well, so I found out, I didn't know at the time, because <laughs> right. people would say, do you think he has an affair? He's having an affair because he's never here. I'm right. like, I was like, who'd want him? And, <laughs> and so, but yes, a year into separation, mm-hmm. um, when I was actually moving into this townhome that I ended up being able to purchase, Mm-hmm. got a cryptic email from somebody saying they wanted to meet with me because they had information that could help me. Mm-hmm. And my attorney said, well, make sure you meet that person in a public place. Yeah, no kidding. And it ended up being a woman he was having an affair with for four years. Oh my God. I have chills. She lived in California where he spent the majority of his time because that's where his corporation was. She shared, um, she's still out on her phone, the match.com profile that he had and what he said and all their communication um, and she just said, I want to apologize. I should have never dated him. 
um, knowing that he was married, he essentially said, I have a, a, an amazing, beautiful wife that I'm not leaving. I just need somebody while I'm in town. And, oh. and then she moved here for him. <gasps> he sold her house in California, moved here for him and caught him cheating on her. That's why she came to me. Right. Otherwise she wouldn't have. Correct. So in a way it's like, thanks. Yeah. You just want to blow up my world <laughs> because your world was blown up. Yeah. But when you had what you wanted, you weren't going to tell me. Correct. Yeah. And she's like, she sat across me at Starbucks and said, you know, I apologize. I want to apologize about everything I've ever said about you. Because mm. the weird thing was when I told her what I'd be wearing, she's like, well, you don't need to tell me what you'll be wearing. I know exactly what you look like. And I was like, so it, it got in my head kind of. Oh yeah. She'd been stalking you. Because mm-hmm. that's what you do when you're the other woman. You're like, who's my competition? Right. So she moved here for him and then she found out and she discovered he was having an affair with someone else. He bought a house in the same neighborhood he bought a house in. And then she was a flight attendant for Delta. So when she moved here, this is not a hub. So she had to change her whole career and fly to New Jersey or wherever their hub was. Um, and so I found out that if whether he was in New York or wherever he went, she'd fly. So she was with him wherever he traveled. Okay. And she, like, she'd say, you'd, you'd show up in California for the summer, Laura, and I would check out of the hotel that morning. Oh, and, wow. And you and Taylor were checking in. I was oh, like, God, that's oh. ugly. Yeah. It's just horrible. Yeah. Right. So, you know, say la vie. <laughs> yeah. Say la vie is right. Also, la vie's the baby. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. So when you sat with her, were you, were you just so angry? I mean, what, what, what were you I was, feeling? I didn't care. You, at that point, you would completely, yeah. completely. I'm like, I, I wasn't, I was just like, I was just like, um, yeah. I mean, I had no feelings for him whatsoever. And it, wow. really, you know, all it did was prove that he's a complete and total liar. And yeah. it did help me in court on some things. Um, so, cause she went and gave a deposition um, to my attorney. And so she did. Oh, end wow. Up- Oh yeah. Well, there was, I mean, I don't want to talk about it on this podcast, but there were some really disturbing things going on in his life that she shared with me. Okay. Thank you for sharing any of this on the podcast. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Narcissism is so prevalent in our, in our society and women don't know what to look out for. So, you know, obviously the love bombing is something that is classic narcissist, but sometimes it's hard because when you fall in love naturally, you you end up sort of love bombing each other. So it's really hard to detect what the, the difference is. Difference. Yes. Do you know what the difference is? Can you, can you tell us what it is? Well. How it feels different? <laughs> Here's, the, I don't even know how to describe it, but you know, my parents sensed his personality, but for a sense of humor, bought him a t-shirt at one point that had his name on it and said, is here, meaning wherever he shows up, it's like, I'm here. It's my world. He believed whatever came out of his mouth as truth, even though it was a flat out lie. You could not have a discussion with him to point out another point of view because his was his. I mean, something could purely be brown, but he's going to tell you it's white. Mm. It, it just, I realized it was just very controlling. And my attorney even said the same thing. He really had never met. And I mean, I had a huge firm here. You know, he's like, this is one of the most controlling cases I've ever represented. Wow. 
So, um, yeah, nothing can be easy when you're working with a narcissist in any kind of a lawsuit. It's horrendous. Okay. So, um, once you got, okay. So the love bombing, here's what I think the distinction is, is they're coming on so strong and so fast, so soon. Did it happen like before you really even realized it was time for it? Like, did you feel like something's not right? It's just too much. Or were you like, oh, well, I deserve it. You know, I deserve well, to have know, all this attention. Well, we weren't in the same town. Like, so, I'll, you know, we were on this cruise. I was on with my a girlfriend and he was on with, he had just gone through his divorce. So I will tell you, you know, he was newly right. you know, divorced and he was on with a gentleman who I, today is a very nice man that had lost his wife to breast cancer. And so they just said, let's just go do something. And they yeah. went on this cruise. So um, we met, we spent, you know, a lot of time on the cruise together. And he knew that my friend and I were staying in um, Fort Lauderdale after the cruise at night. Mm -hmm. This was back in the time where, um, I guess this is 2000 is when this happened. So it's not like so he somehow like phoned his mother or emailed her from the ship's, you know, computer room and said, right. I, I need you to get me a room at this hotel and I'm going to change my flight. I'm going to stay and take this woman out to dinner. So he did stay mm -hmm. and went to the, you know, which I thought, oh my gosh, you know, right. Like and then um, we left the next morning and I, I did, I really just didn't think anything would happen beyond that. Right. And you know, the next thing I knew, he said, he said, like, would you like to fly up here? I want to buy you a plane ticket. And it was like mm -hmm. maybe two weeks later. And then that's just kind of how it okay. So it rolled out kind of normally. You couldn't it's, really tell the love bombing in the beginning. No, because I mean, we, that was back in the days of like um, communicating via email and that's yep. kind of how we did it. it. You know, it yep. was, yeah. It was more chill. Okay. Yeah, it was. Not. So the, did, did you find that he tried to separate you from your friends and family? No. In fact, when he would visit me on Hilton Head, he loved my, because I taught there too. Right. He loved my group of friends and we did everything. And we actually became super close with another couple. And for years we vacationed with them. No, he loved the same. He loved including me in my friends because I think in his divorce, um, he lost a lot of his. Okay. Um, no, he never. So, what, so when you say he's a classic narcissist, I'm just trying to figure out what what we can detect from that to to share so that if somebody sees this going on they can be like there it is well you know like in the beginning and in, until maybe the last two or three years of my marriage I, I never really labeled him a narcissist it's when I started reading about narcissists okay. did I realize you know and I, I I and I and um I used to send them to him during our separation I'd, I'd be like classic narcissist this is what you are and you know, but right now I, I guess I can't pinpoint what it is because I try to like not focus on that. I understand. Um, well, what you said earlier about how he would be lying, but he, he was gaslighting you. Yes. That's one major thing that a narcissist does mm -hmm. from what you just told me, you know, even the, the vasectomy beforehand, like he basically, he knew what you wanted. He did something to alter that he, um, and then he probably, I don't know, did he blame you in some kind of way? Like you made me do this or did any of that um, kind of thing happen? So, you know, gaslighting really is, um, where somebody, you know, you're looking out, the sky is blue and he's like, uh, no, the sky is dark gray. 
you can't, you know, it is definitely going to lay, going to rain. And you're like, no, the sky is blue. So there's different things that go on when you're with a narcissist where he literally makes you think you're wrong about things. Yes, that was him. And and his ego was so huge. He had to like become buddies with everybody, including our child's like doctors. He wants to sit there and have personal conversation. I'm like, we're here at a doctor's appointment. And he likes to claim everybody's his friend. And oh, I know him. I know him. We're we're tight. It was so annoying. I couldn't go anywhere with him that he didn't have to make it all about himself when it wasn't even about him. Right. So very self-involved where the entire world is just all about them. Yes. Okay. And then obviously making it very difficult to disentangle when he was doing so many things wrong and having multiple affairs and then blaming you and raking you through the courts. Now, any good person would not do that. They'd be like, you know what? I messed up. Let's settle and make this done. But he like had to make it torturous for you. And he had you in a kind of a bad financial situation where you had to depend on somebody else for money, not him, even though you'd spent your entire life building with him. So that's kind of, okay. That let's set it to the side now. So you've been back on the market for a little bit. You've been dating. What have you found in your dating life? How has that relationship affected the kind of person you're looking for now? I feel like I'm still attracted to that kind of person, um, a person of leadership, power, confident in a way that's obnoxious, I guess. And um, so that hasn't worked out well. And my friends have said to me, you know, Laura, try, try the opposite, try the opposite. And I have, and I get bored easily. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just fizzles out. I mean, I, I have been in, I was in one two-year relationship with a, an amazing gentleman um, who was 20 years older than me. Okay. And so at the time he, um, he had a heart attack while we were dating. Okay. And, you know, I was there with him through it all. And, you know, you know, he was an amazing partner and actually helped me to learn to love myself again and know what it feels like to be loved. Okay. And then he, um, in, you know, I guess in hindsight, he probably did the right thing because I had a young daughter and he was yeah. concerned about his health and his age. And he said, you, I need you to be with somebody that'll be around longer than I will. Mm, yeah. And so I was heartbroken for about a year and I just kind of took a, took time off, healed myself, counseling, all of that. Right. And met another really nice gentleman through Bumble. Okay. Dated for a year, but I realized, or and through that relationship, I was still very insecure and not over that man. So I okay. kind of self sabotaged that relationship. Okay, it's so, good. It's great that you have this self knowledge. Yes. So then now it's been about three years, and I'm now I'm 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 at a really good place. You know, I left teaching during the t- pandemic, wasn't finding the joy in it. And I also wanted some more financial stability. So I went right. to real estate school and um, started a new career at you know, 54 right. and it's going really well. I'm in an excellent place in my life, you know, professionally, financially, personally, and I'm looking for that person, my man. Good. And so something that I hear often from people who've had long-term relationships with narcissistic types and controlling types of, of people is that 
anything else doesn't feel exciting. There's definitely this element of excitement and thrill when you're dating somebody who is, um, you know, what you could call an avoidant personality in terms of they give, then they pull back, they give, then they pull back, which is something that, you know, it's like a little bit of a seesaw going on. Basically your nervous system becomes attuned to that kind of behavior. And when you're not getting the up and down, really feeling, but like feels like butterflies, but is really anxiety, it's confusing when you're not getting that, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like that's the right kind of relationship to be in because you're so used to that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Okay. So that's not what a secure relationship looks like. But it's confusing because if you meet a guy that doesn't treat you that way and is a secure man, you feel bored. I, yeah, I guess that's my problem. Okay. <laughs> All is not lost. <laughs> So if you can recognize that, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. Right. No, and I've been doing this for a long time. Coaching. Oh, coaching I'm not people. denying it. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very self-aware. Yeah. That, yeah. that is. Yeah. So what you can do is you can, instead of looking for the excitement in the person giving you um, attention and then not attention or um, the kind of situation where you feel like you need to chase and it's very very exciting you can find other things that are exciting on the external to do with your partner you know thrilling things it could it could look like travel right and maybe it's you go to costa rica and you you know you do the zip wiring or (laughs) right or you have a surprise date like situation where you say okay this month i'm going to plan something i'm not going to tell you what it is and then next month you can do that my husband and i did that once it was very very fun actually i said to him, I want you to plan just a weekend away. Don't tell me anything and just plan it. Now, unfortunately, TripAdvisor was loaded up on my phone, his app. Oh. So I found out what we were doing, but I didn't know any of the details, but I did get a little bit of a heads up. So that was, I'm going to, I need to do that with him again, but take off all my notifications. But it was very exciting. And it put, it definitely put him in the driver's seat where, you know, I'm usually involved with any kind of planning of a trip and it's a conversation, right. but you can hand over things to your partner and it can feel very exciting to sort of hand over the control in a safe way. Right. Right. And that's really what I'm suggesting. Yeah. So date the secure guy, hand some things over where it's a mystery. Cause that's really what I'm, I think it is. It's like, you're looking for the mystery. You don't know what's going to happen, you know, and it's very exciting, but if they don't treat you well, then it feels like the depths of despair. And you don't need that anymore. You're done with that. I don't want that anymore. No. So try that next time. Find a secure guy that treats you well, but then insert opportunities for him to surprise you. Because it's really the element of surprise that's so exciting, especially yeah, the, the element of surprise, right? Right. And, and so the, the nice gentleman, not that other people aren't nice, the narcissist, you know, I, that I've tried, this is what I've found, um, They've, they've never traveled. They just have a, have a different lifestyle than I've led. Right. And I can't find somebody that is interested in um, my spontaneity, my planning. I mean, I, I, you know, when people say, oh, but I love to travel, but I do. And I do travel, you know, right. Right. So, you know, and I love, I, I love fine dining. I love, I love a hole in the wall dive bar, but you know, I'm having 
trouble finding somebody that doesn't want to sit on their couch and make dinner. Right. Right. Yes. So you just need to expose yourself to men that like those types of things. And you can do that by um, getting involved in the community with different nonprofits and whatnot that attract people that like to donate money, that like to donate their time, that are interested in worldly things outside of themselves. Yes. So that's one idea. You know, you could join a travel group. You could go on singles cruises. You can go on singles. I I, I once had a client and he would do that every year. He would go on different singles travel opportunities. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's something that you could easily do. So put yourself in the situation where you're interacting with people that are also doing the same. And right. And I'm securing doing things singly. I go out to dinner singly. I'll go and sit at, at you know, a, a very nice steakhouse right. at the bar and mingle. I mean, I'm a social creature and yes. that's, I'm looking for somebody that's the same. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, so this has been absolutely interesting and helpful. I think people are really going to resonate with this one because narcissism is such a poignant part of relationships and what we all are trying to avoid. Um, and also just to be able to open up your mind, to be able to date different types of people, even though you're so used to one thing is extremely important, you know, just because also a man hasn't traveled doesn't mean that, you know, especially coming up on retirement age or whatever, a lot of people have saved money and they're looking forward to traveling once they retire, because I mean, let's face it, a guy who is doing well and, you know, really plugging away at their work, especially if they're not with someone, they're not going to spend all this money probably to go travel on their own. And um, as long as somebody is open to it, I think that that could, he could be a good possibility to you. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm open to that too, but it, I, the ones that I have dated, yes. um, they find that so far-fetched. Yeah. Well, they're just not the right guy. They are not. Yes. That is it. And if you think yeah. about how many times you fall in love in a lifetime, three times, four times max, you know, you need to give it some more time. So you just need to keep plugging away. And that's why I'm glad you're in my singles in the Carolinas group and you're in my database. If a great guy comes along that hires me, I will certainly call you up. And maybe there's somebody listening to the podcast that's like, okay, she's a, she could be an interesting one for me to, to date. So um, lots of really good possibilities. And the main thing is that I just want to say is you are such an incredible person. Oh, thank you. You're, you're so open. You're so kind. You're very patient. We had like a, a, a mess up on Friday when we were first um, recording this and I forgot to press play after we had been kicked off. I forgot to press record. So we did like 30 minutes of this podcast and I was like, oh my God, I forgot to record. And your patience around that was remarkable. Like you, you weren't upset. You weren't flustered. You just said, no problem. We rescheduled, no big deal. So this is an easygoing woman that we're talking about here. Um, which is something that can be hard to find. Um, plus oh, you're highly attractive so. and, you know, kind and um, just neat. You're just a really interesting dynamic woman. So you deserve every happiness. Um, if anyone is interested in meeting Laura, reach out to me and I will help make it happen if it's an appropriate match. And Laura, do you have a, um, a, a charity that you are affiliated with or that you like to give money to? Well, it's... <laughs> So right now I give money to the school that my daughter goes to because okay. I value the education she's receiving. 
Okay. So elementary education or middle, whatever education is one. Education is, is there one. an umbrella organization that would accomplish that? Uh, no, because it's a private school. Okay. So everybody should consider giving money to education. Yeah. That's a really, That's really good kind of one. Where yep. I do that. Yes. Okay. I love it. That's um, very good. There is, there is, um, uh, organization I'm trying to that I recently went to an event and, and donated and supported it's like it's it's freedom freedom house and it's over uh they're trying to help um moms and families in the west part of Charlotte okay get resources and affordable housing and help them become better moms and so that's something that I'm going to begin tutoring um for them so like, it's all about education for me I love that Freedom House. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, I thank you so much for your honesty and for being here with us today. And we'll look forward to speaking to you very soon. Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening to Love on the Go. I hope you join us on our next episode. You can make sure to know when it is by following us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed it, it'd be great if you left us a review. I'd appreciate it. In the meantime, to learn more about me and how my team can help you, visit carolinasmatchmaker.com. Until next time.